Executives in every company we work with express concerns about their ability to attract and retain managerial talent. The solutions for most organizations are to either recruit young workers directly from school and invest in their development, pirate leadership talent from competitors, or find it internally. Of these alternatives, we strongly advocate that organizations first take a look inside. In this episode, we are discussing what organizations can do to discover and develop hidden talent pools. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is leadership legend Jack Sanger. <laughs> Hello, Bri, and, and Happy New Year. It is a new year, and it feels like a Good, fresh start. So I wanted to ask you, because I always try to get as much info as I can from you at the beginning of these. <laughs> Have you ever watched um, HGTV, one of those home transformations? You know, I've watched one or two of them, but it's been a few years ago, so I'm not really <laughs> current and up to date on them. <laughs> now, while you're getting an oil change and they have it on. <laughs> well, I am obsessed with them. I find it so inspiring. Um, although I'm sure my husband's very grateful that I have this just terrible fear of saws and nail guns. So I'll, it'll never <laughs> empower me to actually do anything to my own home. But watching people find something that could use a little work and transform it into something magnificent that finally fits their needs it's like they're helping the house reach its full potential and they're not giving up on it and going out and finding <laughs> a new one. So I like it. And I feel like in organizations, leaders are looking at the people around them and thinking, eh, you know, I don't think any of these people are up for the task. We need to go out and find someone else. But really, they do not understand the potential for greatness that is right in front of them if they put a little time and development opportunities and give these talented individuals a chance. So Jack, have you, <laughs> since you've had a long time in many different companies and a CEO, have you ever worked with someone and thought, they're probably not up for this role, I should probably go elsewhere, but then they completely surprised you? And Bree, the answer is a resounding yes. And I mm. confess that it is one of the most gratifying uh, elements of a of a, an executive's job. Uh, it is so fun mm -hmm. to see someone that wouldn't have, you know, appeared to have had all the, the necessary talents to just grab hold of a new job, jump into it, do something really creative, uh, yeah. and you just see them blossom. You see them flourish, and mm -hmm. and that is absolutely maybe the most rewarding element of being a, a manager in a company. Hmm. I love that answer. So hiring in organizations is heavily focused on your past track record. And it makes sense. They want to know what you've done it all before. So there, there's this guarantee that you can do it again. But I feel like that this is a little flawed because past performance doesn't tell you you know, about the things you haven't done. You haven't been able to do them. And so we talked on the podcast before about 
the major flaws that we've seen in high potential programs, and we know there's a good chance that your leadership pipeline in many organizations could be missing out on other potentially richer sources of talent. So how can companies identify individuals in their ranks who are capable of stepping into these leadership positions, even though they don't have a past track record? And uh, we are increasingly uh, submitting to them or suggesting to them that they examine four different groups of talented and, and underutilized individuals who could be very strong candidates for future leadership roles. Those groups are women, young supervisors, individual contributors, and people who are in the STEM disciplines. And when we get to that, we'll, I'll explain a little bit more about why we have focused on that group and what data we have about them. Let's begin with the, the first one, overlooked women. Mm-hmm. We did a leadership study with more than 300,000 raters of 24,000 leaders. Of those leaders, 65% of them were male and 35% were female. 64% were in the U.S., 36 were outside the U.S. At every level, more women were rated by their peers, their bosses, their direct reports, and their associates as better overall leaders than their male counterparts. And the higher the level, the wider the, the, that gap grows. Mm-hmm. Two of the traits where women outscored men to the highest degree, taking initiative and driving for results, have long been thought of as kind of particularly male strengths. So equality has come a long way in the workforce, but women, unfortunately, are still underutilized in many companies. Only 3% of CEOs are women. Only 14% of senior executives are women. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are under the assumption that a man is more apt to lead well than a woman, our research suggests you should think again. Don't overlook this hidden talent pool. Yeah. And it's really important to consider the people in your organization who haven't had equitable access to mentoring, sponsorship, development, and advancement opportunities. My husband had this great friend in grad school who went into an organization and he just shot up the ranks so quickly, faster than any of anyone else in his class. And it was all because of the mentor that he Mm -hmm. had Mm -hmm. who advocated for him to get these opportunities. And he wasn't qualified for any of them at that time, but that mentor (laughs) believed in him and he was you know, pushing. And so he did, he got these chances and he proved himself. But when there are less senior leaders who are women, it sometimes makes it more difficult to have someone who's mentoring you or to ask, maybe you're awarding an awkward situation, but really you got to get those mentors and get those opportunities and have someone advocating on your behalf to get these chances when you don't have that past track record. So which group is next? The next group is young supervisors that are within your firm. A few years ago, I had a conversation with an executive of a software company after the implementation of their leadership development program. I asked, in hindsight, if there was anything that she would do differently, and I was very intrigued by her immediate response. She said, Jack, 
we would begin to train our leaders much earlier. You know, that comment prompted me and my colleague Joe Folkman to look at our research and our database. And we found that the average age of people who were participating in our programs happened to be 46 years. Wow. More than half were between 36 and 49. Fewer than 10% were under 30 years of age. Fewer than 5% were under 27 years of age. And what this means is that in the typical company, a newly appointed supervisor who usually gets that job maybe around 27, 28 years of age, they're mm-hmm. functioning for nine or 10 years before they receive any serious leadership training. Most companies are simply waiting too long before offering these very talented young supervisors an opportunity for leadership development. A person does not gain leadership talent by just getting the title. If we set the expectation that everyone can grow and progress, if we take development plans seriously, and if we elevate self-development to a much higher priority than we we have in the past, we can create a culture that allows individuals to develop their leadership skills at an earlier age. You know, and this means that they make fewer mistakes, they increase their likelihood of success, and we increase the chances for every employee to work for a really good boss. I was reading this article and the person quoted the CEO of the container store and he was talking about retention and keeping their talent He said, quote, we're very proud to have a turnover rate under 10%. Our employees stick with us because we pay better and offer more benefits and development opportunities than many of our competitors. Nothing motivates people more than real teamwork and communication. That's why our employees stay. And it's why we're consistently ranked on Fortune Magazine's 100 Best Companies to Work For list. But here is the part That shocked me and goes along with our research that you just shared. He said, quote, first year full timers receive 263 (laughs) hours of formal training compared with the industry average of about eight. You heard that right. Eight. Wow. That's it. Yeah. That's the industry average, eight hours of training. And there's something to be said about a company that fits training and development into the normal workflow for individuals. You think about 263 hours, they're doing training every week, right? Right. right. So what is the last group? Well, the next group is a group that we would broadly describe as individual contributors. Anyone who has worked inside an organization knows that there are many people who don't have any managerial title. They don't have people reporting directly to them. Mm-hmm. But these people wield great influence and they make critical decisions f- for the firm. These are the highly professional individual contributors. They have a big influence because of their technical expertise. Uh, ironically, individual contributors are more influential than managers in training new employees because they're the ones who are teaching the basic skills or answering the kind of on-the-job questions. Yeah. They become the role models for what a good employee looks like and how they behave. They're the ones who give the real feedback to the the new employee. And and they're the ones who are often directly connected with customers 
and it, indeed they become the pool for future leaders. And so our, our, our conclusion is that these individual contributors are a huge asset for every organization, but they typically fail to show up on anyone's radar screen for development. And hence they get precious little. So very much like this eight hours that, that was being cited by the, the CEO yeah. of the container store. Mm-hmm. We believe organizations are missing a huge opportunity to retain these people and to help them be even more influential and to prepare them for future managerial positions in the firm. There really is a big advantage of hiring within because you really know these people versus the ones you're interviewing for the first time. And of course, they're putting on their best self. Mm. Tomas Camaro Music, who is a professor of business psychology at Columbia University, wrote that it doesn't matter how smart, knowledgeable or experienced you are. There is generally a difference between what you can do and what you normally do. Right. (laughs) And this is one of the reasons why talent identification efforts fail when employers focus too much on candidates potential. The best they can do if they were motivated to do their best at that time. They forget that the critical outcome they should try to predict is what people are actually likely to do (laughs) once they are in the job. In particular, their typical performance, not their extraordinary, right? Right. So looking at these consistently driven people in your organization, these great individual contributors who've already shown their strengths, it is a great option. One of our international partners kind of asked us the question about, are the leaders in the so-called STEM disciplines, that's science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medical, mm-hmm. are these leaders, do, do they score as well in terms of their leadership effectiveness as their non-STEM kind of counterparts in, in other industries or in other functions in the organization? And that led us to do some, I think, fascinating research that showed indeed that these people in the so-called STEM disciplines, either a company that focuses on that or a functional area in an organization, that indeed their scores as leaders are lower because they have, maybe because they have focused very much of their attention on their technical prowess and not so much on what we would refer to as the interpersonal people kind of leadership skills. But it strikes us that there is this group in an organization who are often overlooked because they don't immediately display these leadership skills, but who possess a wonderful level of technical talent and technical uh, prowess. And with just a little bit of help, just as, as Google, when they did a study in their organization about who were the most productive employees, mm-hmm. found that of all the qualities that really predicted success in Google, technical competence was number nine. It, it was after all of the empathy, cooperation, collaboration, strategic thinking, problem solving, mm-hmm. all the other so-called soft skills that that those were the ones that made the most effective leaders. So we think that that that's the fourth big pool that might be thoroughly examined because, as you said, organizations have far greater success when they find people within, develop them, 
and help them attain their potential. Yeah. So in the coming years, I think there will be many talented leaders retiring. And there are several hiring options for organizations. Mm -hmm. But we invite you to look closely at these four groups of individuals and to plan now for, for their future. Peter Drucker once said, the purpose of an organization is to enable ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so we would like to challenge every organization to, to find these seemingly ordinary people and see what extraordinary leaders they can become. The 90th Percentile on Unconventional Leadership podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.